Hi, folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis, and those of you who raise hogs might be interested in our Barn Buster Feed Trial Program, which takes the risk out of trying Sioux Nation feed with a few groups of your pigs. Just give us a call at our Sioux Falls location to learn more about this opportunity. Now, today on the show, we are talking to Brian Johnson of Johnson Farms in Spink County, South Dakota. This multi-generational farm is a diversified crop and cattle operation and was established in 1906. Brian and his wife, Jamie, are raising their four children to be great stewards of the land. Really great stewards of the land, actually, because the Johnsons are proving to be leaders in land stewardship and conservation, winning the South Dakota Leopold Conservation Award in 2019, and more recently, they were named the Region 7 winners, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Environmental Stewardship Award in 2020. Now, in addition to these rewards, or in addition to these awards, the Johnsons also give back to the community by serving on their church board, conservation district board, local township board, county commission, co-op delegate board, South Dakota Soybean Association, and the South Dakota Soil Health Coalition Board. Now, Jamie's a graduate of the South Dakota Agriculture and Rural Leadership Development Program, as well as a 4-H club leader in Spink County. Doggone it, you guys have a lot going on, don't you? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> you know, I always appreciate talking to all the farmers in South Dakota because, you know, people who farm really have a great way of understating things. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the big thing for us is to uh, be a part of this community and uh, give back. And if we don't help uh, community organizations and have a voice in what's going on, uh, we don't really have a lot of room to complain, in my opinion. <laughs> either either take part or shush up, because you got to do your part if you want it to go the way you want it to go, I suppose, huh? Yep. Now, according to the USDA resource conservationist Shane Jordan, you guys have spent the last 30 years using innovative solutions in the extremes of drought and those opposite ends where we have just crazy levels of precipitation that we've seen, you know, really, you think about this past decade— 2012 and 2019 you know need i say more yeah exactly it's uh mother nature likes to swing from one pen- side of the pendulum all the way to the other so uh being able to withstand that is pretty key for egg producers so could you just tell our listeners then about how the no-till diverse crop rotation and, and then the precision nutrient placement technologies you have adopted are helping you with these wild variations sure well uh First off, thanks for having me on the program today. Really appreciate it and being able to share what's worked for us with others. Our system that we have here on our farm really has allowed us to withstand those weather extremes. The ability to store water when it's needed most during those dry years. And then when you swing clear the other way and have those extremely wet years, uh, the soil structure is there to allow us to plant a crop and allow for the water to soak into the soil instead of ponding on the surface that you sometimes mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And that's a tribute to our system that we've been doing for over 35 years with no-till and crop rotation, setting that soil up to be able to act like a sponge mm-hmm. and a- absorb that moisture and save it for when it's needed. If you look at uh, like 2019, like you mentioned, it was extremely wet for pretty much everybody in the Midwest. And then middle of 2020, For our part of the world, it kind of shut off, and we went for a month and a half or so with very limited rainfall. Well, our soil had absorbed so much of that water that we still had a really good crop to harvest in the fall of 2020, even though we had, you know, seven weeks there of very small precipitation. And that's 
because the soil was holding onto it and saving it for us. Could you maybe go into a little bit of detail then about what are some of these things that you have done that allow you to be able to have that soil function as a sponge? Well, for us, uh, the big thing was back in 86, my dad switched to no-till mm-hmm. and he was tired of planting the crop and then going out there with a cultivator and trying to kill it a couple times <laughs> and watching it dry up. And, you know, up here in Spink County, we get dry periods where it doesn't rain. And so at that time, Dwayne Beck was stationed up here at the Redfield Research Station before he went to Dakota Lakes out by Pier. And my dad had a conversation with him and Dwayne told him, this is what you need to do and it'll work. And I guess the rest is history there. It, uh, and so on top of the no-till, just uh, being able to plant different crops, not always just you know continuous corn or just corn and beans, but having some small grains in there and cover crops, it, uh, it all works together as a, as a cohesive unit. They all have important parts that they play individually, but if you, when you put them together, it, it makes a really good system. Now, what could you say about the USDA conservation programs that you've utilized when facing all these different conditions? Well, I think for us, uh, we've been very fortunate to have a great relationship with our local office and being open to trying new new things over the course of many years here. So, for example, we over 10 years ago, we enrolled some small parcels on our farm, you know, anywhere from three to 20 acre pieces of what you'd call poor producing cropland acres and planted them to grass. It was what the soil needed. And because back in 09 and 10, we were kind of wet up here and we were having some saline issues, which is common in the James River watershed in northern South Dakota. And so a way to fix that that soil and allow the grass to repair the soil and the infiltration problems that we were having there. In addition, we saved money and time because we weren't wasting crop inputs on those acres that consistently had a negative ROI. And in addition, for producers that pay close attention to their crop insurance and APH levels, when you take marginal acres out of crop production, your APH is going to go up because all you've got left is better acres on that field. You don't have the the negative returns on there. So on top of the CRP, we've had numerous contracts with the CSP, Conservation Stewardship Program. That's allowed us to try different conservation enhancements on our farm. It provides incentives to try new practices. And almost all of those enhancements that we tried over the last 10 years have now become standard practice on our entire operation today. So it's uh, those two have been real great for us. The most recent one uh, was the EQIP program. And we did a couple things there. We've got some new shelter belts and an old shelter belt renovation that are planned for this coming spring, which will entail our conservation district planting over 6,000 trees on our farm. That'll definitely keep the kids busy with the water trailer this spring. <laughs> yeah. The main purpose of the the new tree shelter belts is for, you know, windbreak protection mm-hmm. for the cattle herd uh, 20 years from now when I'm not having to do the calving. Sure. So what are you picking for species on those trees? Well, we've got, uh, I think there's four or five different species throughout those shelter belts. My wife's been mostly working with that and our conservation district technician. I know there's sure. some spruce, there's some plum, just a variety there. And she changed it here in the last couple of weeks because we're kind of getting the finishing touches on that. And sure. 
she is her her brain works more on the on the tree side and i handle a lot of other stuff on the farm and so that's kind of her i left that in her wheelhouse no that makes a lot of sense and i mean does she make plum jelly because i mean wild plum jelly is freaking awesome yeah that and there's some choke cherries in there too. oh so, perfect yeah um i expect my waistline to increase <laughs> well you know what at least it's for a good reason you're you're yeah. you're, you're doing the land good by having all that choke cherry jelly that, that's correct. <laughs> so, i tell you what, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you all have done. So what's really led you to become such a passionate advocate then for conservation and land stewardship for folks? Well, I think I'm. we were fortunate. I grew up in an area of South Dakota that's got a lot of conservation-minded producers. Mm-hmm. I became good friends with our, our former conservationist, Shane Jordan, and he always encouraged me to keep trying new things. And the story kind of got out about what we were doing. And, you know, he, if he had producers that wanted to see the results of something before they tried it, you know, odds are we had to take, maybe taken a look at it already. And so we were neighbors and farmers. You kind of talk to each other when people ask questions. And I guess before that, my dad, back in the day when he switched in the early 80s and late 80s, early 90s to no-till, um, he was featured in some newspaper and magazine articles. And and so not being afraid to kind of say, tell people what we're doing, I grew up around that. And so having reporters that were on our farm 30-some years ago come back here now and do different stories but see the changes that have been made, it's, it's kind of cool. And, you know, most operations, we have made significant changes in the past 30 years. Our the technology and agriculture has changed immensely in three decades here. We've got a lot more stuff going on, a lot more resources. Social media is a way to kind of share everybody's ideas. And so not everybody's making the same mistakes over and over again. And I think it's a benefit when done correctly. You know, the ag community community benefits as a whole. And I think that's what makes farming special because most people are, you want to help each other out. You know, we're we're all here trying to, make a living and raise our families and take care of take care of the land. If you had any advice for other farmers who are really looking for environmentally sound solutions for their land management practices, what would you tell them? I would say reach out to your local conservation district, uh, your local NRCS office, or other producers who are already improving the quality of their operation through soil health practices. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Usually everybody's open to answering your questions and happy to help. Uh, it's, it's not a secret society, I guess. Uh, and then the big thing is it is a process. If you're going to switch some of your management practices, don't, you can't expect results immediately. Um, usually they will show up in a very short few years, but the big investment is for down the road for the next generation. That's where the dividends pay off. Uh, our operations successful today because of the investments in conservation practices that that my father made 30 some years ago. I'm fortunate that I was able to come back home and farm and be given the opportunity to learn and and make mistakes, but grow from those learning opportunities. He laid the foundation for what this operation is today. My wife and I are just building on that foundation. And with our kids from four to 14 years old, they're learning right alongside us year round. They're, they help us out when we're moving cattle and working cattle. And they ask, you know, kids ask millions of questions and they expect usually a pretty straight answer. You can't beat her, <laughs> beat around the bush. And, and part of that's the good part about having them around is they see things differently than we do. And that's why they ask those, 
questions. And the goal is to someday pass the operation on to the next generation. And I've hopefully got a lot of years left in me here. But if we can continue to improve the quality of our soil and make it sustainable, we'll have done our part. Sure enough. Well, I think you have a great story to tell, and I'm really glad you're open to sharing it. Glad to help help somebody uh, on their journey. It's uh, hopefully that uh, I've made enough mistakes and maybe the next guy doesn't have to make the same ones. It's uh, We're all here for the, the same goal to leave leave our land in a better condition than when we had the opportunity to produce off of it. Well, Brian, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today on the podcast. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. I'm uh, glad to be on here, glad to have the opportunity to share the message. And I think uh, one last thing I've almost forgot is oh, uh, sure. kind of pertain to that last question for producers that are looking to improve their how they're managing their land is as a I'm fortunate to be a, a director on the Soil Health Coalition. Sure. And we've got immense amount of resources that are available to producers that are maybe looking to improve the, what, how they're running their operation, whether it's crop ground or grassland. And we've got a healthy soils handbook that's out that has lots of resources and answers to those questions, as well as a new uh, children's book that was out here just over the beginning of the new year that was written by Amanda Radke with sure. uh, illustrations from Michelle Weber. And that's great for kids in the, especially like, third grade and older, but also for those of us that are still young at heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so all that can be found at the sdsoilhealthcoalition.org. And, you know, it's a great resource for producers. And, uh, you know, it's got lots of different different things you can learn on there. And we've got a great staff that's always happy to answer questions for anybody that's looking to uh, improve the practices on their farm. Sweet. So if they go to the website, they can find the the soil handbook or a way to get to it as well as a way to get to the children's book. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. I believe it's all there under resources there. we got different tabs. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, a great tool for anybody that's looking to learn more. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you very much for taking the time and coming to talk to us. Yep. I appreciate it. And thank you once again to all our listeners out there. Y'all take care, folks. 